Shalom, I'm Mitch Glazer, president of Chosen People Ministries. I'm so glad you can join us today for the program, The Chosen People. And today we're going to continue our study of the book of Vayikra. That's the Hebrew for what you know as Leviticus. And we've been studying the Torah portions. We divide up the Old Testament, actually the five books of Moses, into 52 parts and then some. And we focus on each one of them every Sabbath service. And uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about one of my favorite passages, actually, uh, Leviticus chapter uh, 23. And joining me is my good friend and colleague, Bobby Walter. Welcome, Bobby. Yes, thank you, Mitch. Shalom and welcome, everyone. And uh, Mitch, it's one of your favorite sections, Leviticus 23, and it Mm -hmm. happens to be one of my favorites as well. (laughs) Um, In this chapter we have really what Mitch might call God's daytimer. Hey, wait a minute. You're calling me old? I mean, Bobby, I didn't say really. That. You know, I mean, before the show, you said you didn't even know what, what a daytimer is, you know? And, I, I honestly and, don't. And you have a teenage <laughs> so. daughter, so I mean, you know, right, you got right. to get with the program. It's in Wikipedia. You can look it up. Got it. Okay. Yeah, so God's daytimer or God's calendar Uh, And the reason that it's called God's calendar is because the entire chapter is just devoted to these special appointed times uh, of the Lord. Uh, So, Mitch, why don't you tell us about these appointed times? Well, sure, Bobby. Uh, These are very uh, wonderful uh, periods uh, during the course of the year. When God gave the, the Torah, God gave the commandments on Mount Sinai, according to Jewish tradition, he gave 613 uh, commandments, some positive, some negative. And mm-hmm. if you're really bored on a Sunday after church, start counting, and uh, it'll be a lot of fun. And so there were, uh, right in the heart of uh, this event at Sinai, there was a, another event, because God not only told the Jewish people what to do and what not to do, he also told them when to do it. In other words, God gave the Jewish people a calendar. Mm-hmm. Similar to a day timer, which you've never seen, Bobby, but maybe you've seen a Google calendar or something like that. And so God gave the Jewish people um, seven great annual festivals by which they could calibrate their everyday life mm-hmm. by stopping and thinking and reflecting. They grew to know more about God, his character, and his plan for humankind. Because each one of these great festivals, Uh, say something new and unique and special about the Lord. These great festivals also look back and then look forward. So there is Mm -hmm. a history to the festivals, uh, Mm -hmm. like the Passover looks back at the great event uh, at the Passover. And then there is a looking forward, which is a prophetic element to these festivals, Mm -hmm. looking forward to that great day of redemption sometime in the future. That's why at a Passover Seder, we sing the song with Shana Haba Beirushalayim. Next year, we will be in Jerusalem. So the the festivals, all seven of them actually, are all forward-looking, and Jewish people do understand that. Now, for me, I see a number of different kinds of spiritual fulfillments of these great festivals. Uh, Number one, 
I see that these festivals are actually fulfilled in the coming of Jesus the Messiah. So that would be a New Testament fulfillment. And then I also see another kind of fulfillment, but we won't know as much about these until they happen because they are future. They're at the second coming. So I believe that you have fulfillment of the festivals at the first coming in Jesus, and then you have fulfillment of the festivals at the second coming again in Jesus. But in other words, it's uh, you you wouldn't know who Paul Harvey is anyway. So if I say it's the end of the story, you wouldn't get that either. Um, it, sadly, no. He no. uses he used the daytime. He used the daytimer. Just okay. So but I, I like the point that you're making because when we do look in the New Testament, we see some really just monumental events take place on these holidays. Yes, it's uh, you can't understand uh, John chapter seven and uh, what Jesus said about being uh, the living water. You can't understand mm-hmm. it unless you understand the Feast of Tabernacles. So I'm going to read from chapter 23, just a verse or two. The Lord spoke again to Moses saying, speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, the Lord's appointed times, which you shall proclaim as holy convocations, my appointed times are these. The Hebrew word for appointed times is moed. It's just one word, and it refers to uh, these seven festivals. And there's actually a portion of very substantial and important Jewish writing in the what we call the Mishnah, which is called Moed, and that's where all these festivals are discussed. They're basically commentaries on what the Old Testament said about these festivals. And so the Lord's appointed times, uh, really, I think the uh, translators liked larger-than-life language because the better translation here would simply be appointment. So... Mm-hmm. It's, but it's pretty secular rather than sacred sounding. So the Lord's appoint, appointments are these. So God gave Israel from Mount Sinai seven great appointments over the course of the year. And Israel, if they did not show up for those appointments, uh, would suffer consequences. There was also one festival, and that was once a week, and that was the Sabbath. So you have the Sabbath once a week, and then you have the seven great festivals. The Sabbath reminds us of creation and the future rest that we have in, in, in the Lord. Uh, we have, uh, come unto me all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Matthew chapter 11, a beautiful fulfillment in part of the rest that you can have that God promised. Uh, but also we're going to have a greater rest, aren't we? Because one day he's going to return, set up his kingdom, and the wolf will lie down with the lamb, Isaiah chapter 11, and there will be a rest for our souls, who wipe away every tear from our eyes, and so on. So the Sabbath looks back and looks forward, looks back at creation, looks back at the rest God took at the, on the seventh day, is fulfilled in Jesus, and looks forward to a greater day of rest. That gives us sort of a model for uh, the, uh, the other festivals. So let me go through them quickly. Passover predicted the Lamb of God, and uh, pr- the Lamb of God is, of course, Jesus He's the one who took away the sins of the world. And one day, the Lamb of God will reign on his throne. And so again, there you have it. It looks back, it look, it's fulfilled in Jesus, and looks forward uh, to a great day when the Lamb uh, will reign. Uh, then, of course, you have the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Jesus was unleavened. He was sinless. So it points to him and to a glorious future. Third, you have the Feast of First Fruit. That's the third day, the day after the Sabbath, In the year that Jesus died, it would have been uh, that Sunday, and Jesus died on Friday. He rose on Sunday. He was the first fruit from among the dead. 
And of course, that's no coincidence. Uh, God tied the fulfillment and meaning of the Feast of First Fruit uh, to uh, the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And guess what, gang? One day, here come the rest of the fruit <laughs> because we will be raised as well. Amen. And so Jesus is the first fruit among who? Among all of us who know him and love him. Then after the Feast of First Fruit, we count 50 days. And on that 50th day, we celebrate what's known as Shavuot. It's the Hebrew word for sevens. It's seven sevens, 49 days plus one. Uh, Christians call it Pentecost, uh, Latin and Greek for 50. And that's the day when the Holy Spirit fell upon the disciples in Acts chapter 2. Again, no coincidence. And mm -hmm. so it wasn't necessarily fulfilled in the life of Jesus, but was fulfilled in the lives of the early Jewish disciples of Jesus. And of course, in the last days, Joel chapter 2, what's going to happen? The Spirit of God will fall upon uh, mankind. And so all of these festivals look back, look to Jesus, and look future. Uh, then, of course, you have Rosh Hashanah in the fall. Uh, the feast of uh, the blowing of the shofar, and of course, one day we'll blow the sh we'll hear the blow of the shofar, and Jesus will return. Then we have uh, Yom Kippur, uh, uh, ten days later, the Day of Atonement, very uh, important day, uh, central to all that we do. Leviticus seventeen eleven: Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. So. Uh, Yom Kippur is, of course, beautifully, magnificently fulfilled in the life of Jesus, and it's because of his death and resurrection we can live forever. And then finally, the Feast of Tabernacles, uh, that looked back to, uh, the Israelites looked back to the wanderings in the wilderness. They lived in little tabernacles. God provided uh, food for them. Um, God provided manna. And um, so Jewish people actually today dwell in little shanties, little lean-tos, little tabernacles, very frail, reminding us of the frailty of life. And uh, it looks forward, of course. Uh, Jesus tabernacled among us. Uh, that's the uh, first level of fulfillment. We learned that in John 1. And then, of course, one day uh, God will establish his tabernacle on earth, and the whole world will be transformed, and it will be a glorious day forever and ever. So these festivals really pack a, a punch. They paint a beautiful description of the entire plan of God from the Sabbath all the way through to the Feast of Tabernacles when the knowledge of the Lord fills the earth as the waters fill the sea. One of our generous and faithful supporters recently asked, Mitch, what are your priorities for 2022? And I thought that was a great question. The answer is simple. We plan to go back to basics in 2022 focusing on evangelism, discipleship, and training. We're so excited by the ministry possibilities in 2022. This year, we are prioritizing in-person, I say in-person, evangelism of Jewish people with the strategy to win Jewish believers, disciple and train them, and help them serve the Lord. We're also looking to reach young secular Israelis for, for the Lord. And we're planning to use various media, in-person engagements, and to share the love of Jesus with them any way we can. So we hope you will prayerfully consider supporting us this year. Your gifts will provide for our various ministries, the development of materials, and the production of our training programs. We are so thankful for your prayers and generous support. So God bless you and thank you for partnering with Chosen People Ministries as we share the gospel with Jewish people all across the globe. Welcome back. You're listening to The Chosen People. Here at Chosen People Ministries, 
We hear from a lot of Jewish people who have found the Messiah. And right now, we'd like to share one of those stories with you. So I went to my rabbi and I looked him in the face and I said, Rabbi, tell me, how can I know God? And he looked at me and he was angry and he picked up his umbrella and he gave me a big on the head. He said, that's blasphemy. Get out of here. We grew up celebrating the holidays and keeping all the mitzvot. Went to a Jewish school, a kippah, the tzitziot. But inside, I didn't know God. And I, I felt that there was, there was something not right, that I should have some connection. But I didn't have answers. I saw the fighting that went on and the hypocrisy and the backbiting and went through, through my bar mitzvah in the shul. Then after my bar mitzvah, and I started to question more and more, I fulfilled what every good Yiddish mama wants from her son. He has to be either a doctor or a lawyer. I wanted to be the doctor. So I'm studying hard, and by the age of 16, I was able to be accepted to medical school. That was my dream. But there was this growing emptiness in me. That wasn't going to fulfill me. That wasn't going to make me a whole person. But I didn't know what to do. For the first time in my life, a student came up to me. He looked me in the eye. He said, do you know Jesus? That was a total shock to me. Because in our home, Jesus was was like a curse word. The Gentiles and the other so-called Christians, we thought they all hated us. I thought the... New Testament was an anti-Semitic book, that it was teaching Christians how to hate the Jews. I was angry with this this fellow. He's telling me that Jesus was the one that could take away my sin. Well, I didn't feel like a sinner. He was the one that could save me. I didn't feel like I needed saving, but then he did tell me that I could have a relationship with God. Now that started to make a little sense to me. I wanted a relationship with God, but I I certainly didn't want it in this kind of way. Well, after toing and froing, we spent actually several hours going back and forth. He's telling me that Jesus is the door, he's the way, he's, he's the truth, atonement. Well, I understood atonement. Over the course of the next weeks, this girl began to also talk with me, and she was a follower of Jesus too. Finally, she persuaded me. She said, look, start reading in this book, the New Testament. And I opened it. I was a little nervous opening, but I I started to open and I was amazed. I started to read about Yeshua, Jesus, and I was shocked to find he was Jewish. (laughs) I didn't know he was Jewish. I didn't know the disciples were Jewish. I didn't know that the whole thing was Jewish. I thought, wow, if this is really true, if Jesus really is the promised one, the Mashiach, if he truly came to be the capra, the covering for the wrong I've done, my eyes began to open and I started to realize there was a barrier between me and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, between myself and God. I'm not holy enough, I'm not righteous enough. And if that can be taken away, then maybe I'll know God. And then I started to study the prophecies that talked about the one who would come, who would be the Lamb of, of God. He'd be the like Abram offering up Isaac. I read Isaiah 53, that he was a suffering servant, the one who was put to death for our transgressions, that by his 
stripes that we can be healed. This is what I want. This is what I need. I was, I was joyed, overjoyed. But what will my parents think? What will the family think? Jews don't believe in Yeshua. And then I started weighing the cost. What, what's it going to mean for me? Do I want to be cut off? Nothing else matters more than knowing God. And like Abram Avinu, I started a walk of faith. I said, God, I'm looking to you to guide me, to lead me. And I want to follow you. All my, all my days, I want to give everything to you. And I knew I'd found the truth. And I knew that I was a completed Jew now. Not just from my Brit Milah, my circumcision in the flesh, but now I had a new circumcised heart, a new covenant. If you can look at the heart of King David in the Psalms, if you can look at these prophecies, if you can read Isaiah 53, and see the Mashiach, he is the one. He will bring you that relationship that you, you long for and that you're trying through all your davening and your mitzvot to reach. He's already reached it. He's completed it. Believe in him. Welcome back. You're listening to The Chosen People. So, Mitch, I really appreciate that overview that you gave. And uh, again, just Leviticus 23 always speaks to my heart, as crazy as that sounds, uh, because it does lay out just God's overall plan. And, and it's always encouraging to look back and remember the events that we're commemorating with each one of those feasts, but also to look forward to the prophetic significance. And uh, I, I know that there's a whole lot more that can be said about these feasts, about these holidays. So, how about we take some questions about it? Well, Bobby... I have some questions for you. How's that? Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> you thought you were going to ask me, huh? No, no, yeah, no. I did. You're on the spot, kiddo. All right. All right. So, um, by the way, friends, Bobby is a graduate of the Charles Feinberg uh, Masters of, in Messianic Jewish Studies, sponsored by Chosen People in Biola and Talbot, a great school. And uh, so, he was an A student. So, I know that Bobby can answer all these questions. So, number one. When God mentions that certain feast days are meant to be forever, does he really mean forever, or is there some wiggle room? Maybe there's another explanation. All yours, hmm. Bobby. Yeah, yeah. So th this is a great question because it, it goes back to the, the larger question, uh, which would be, do believers today have any relationship to these holidays? Is there any significance to them for us as uh, believers today? Or were they just done away with and abolished uh, with the coming of the new covenant? And I, I think the best way for us to answer this question about the uh, longevity or the uh, the ongoing uh, significance of these holidays is to look at the scripture itself. Um, and we do see the word forever used. And what's, what's really important, I think, is um, other portions in the prophets that mention these specific feasts being observed in the future, being observed in the kingdom. Um, so, for example, Ezekiel mentions Passover when in, in those latter chapters, uh, Ezekiel 40 through 48, as he's talking about this millennial temple uh, and this, this future temple that will be on the earth. And, uh, and the Passover is mentioned there as being observed, as well as sacrifices. Uh, but, you know, that's a big conversation that maybe for another day. But another more clear one is in Zechariah 14, when the Feast of Tabernacles is mentioned. And clearly the context there in Zechariah 14 is the millennial kingdom, is the kingdom uh, that is still yet to come, uh, where this Feast of Tabernacles is observed in Israel and it's observed by the nations. 
who actually go up to Jerusalem uh, to present their offerings to the Lord uh, at that season on that feast. So, are they forever? Well, I mean, the scripture points out that yes, they they uh, they do still have some uh, some ongoing uh, significance and validity uh, even in the in the kingdom. Well, and you personally enjoy celebrating them with your family, even though you're a Gentile. That's correct. That's correct. Yeah. I, you know, I've I've had the privilege, honestly, since uh, since I came to faith. Uh, I, I came to the Lord when I was 19, and it was about two years after that uh, that I was first introduced to Messianic Jewish believers, and I was just blown away. And you know, they took me in, <laughs> uh, adopted me as their oh, own. You were, you in, in were many easy ways. to love, Bobby. Easy to love. So well, that's uh, debatable. All right. All right. So uh, will, in one way or another, observing the festivals enrich your understanding of God's word and of His plan for mankind? That I would say yes. That I would say yes. Yeah, and I, and I speak from experience. Uh, it, it has been just a wonderful, uh, a wonderful walk with the Lord in tapping into the ebb and flow of of uh, the calendar here in Leviticus twenty three, and celebrating and observing these feasts as much as we can. Uh, you know, uh, but with a focus on Jesus as the fulfillment of each one of them. Absolutely, that's exactly what the Bible teaches. And hey, Bobby. There are some great materials on the Chosen People website at chosenpeople.com slash radio. That's chosenpeople.com slash radio. Um, my wife Sahab and I wrote a book on the fall feasts of Israel. Mm-hmm. We have an overview by Dr. Daniel Fuchs on the all the festivals of Israel. We have Messiah in the Passover, Gospel in the Passover. If you go to our website and go to our store, chosenpeople.com slash radio, you're going to find tremendous resources that will help you better understand the Jewish holidays as fulfilled in Jesus and how a non-Jewish person can actually observe these festivals, which means eating, and so many of these include recipes. So that's the good news. And uh, because, you know, the whole story of Jewish history, they tried to kill us, we won, so we ate. So there you go, Jewish history in three three lines. But I hope that uh, many of you will try out some of these festivals And uh, we're not asking you to uh, become legalists. We're asking you to rejoice and enjoy God's word. And uh, you have the freedom to and the freedom not to. But I think that you might find it a wonderful experience for you and your family. You're listening to The Chosen People, which is produced and sponsored by Chosen People Ministries. Thank you so much for joining us today. And if you would like to learn more about this ministry, then let me invite you to stop by our website. You'll find us at chosenpeople.com slash radio. And if this radio program has touched your heart, we'd love to hear from you. So feel free to get in touch with us today. And when you connect with us, be sure to request your free booklet, Israel, the Jewish People, and Jesus. Learn more about God's promises to his chosen people, how Israel fulfills biblical prophecy, and how you can be praying for the peace of Jerusalem. We'll send it to you free of charge, when you call us at 888, the number two, Yeshua, Y-E-S-H-U-A, the Hebrew name for Jesus. That number again is 888-293-7482. Or request a copy online when you visit us at chosenpeople.com slash offer. You can also write and ask for the booklet by addressing your envelope to Chosen People Ministries, 241 East 51st Street, New York, New York, 10022. 
And right now, let's wrap up today's program with the ironic benediction from Mitch and Misha Getz. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May the face of the Lord shine upon you and give you peace. B'Shem Shel Yeshua HaMashiach, Sar Shalom, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, the Prince of Peace. Peace.